Hi, everyone. Before we start the show, I just want to let you know that if you enjoy the Dare Daniel podcast, if you like the work we're doing here, you can help us grow the show by making a donation through the Dare Daniel website. Your generous contributions will help offset the cost of producing the show and will also enable long-term projects like producing additional content, creating merchandise, things like that. You can make a one-time payment or set up a monthly subscription. Any amount helps, and it's really greatly appreciated. Thanks a lot, and here's the show. Hello, Uncle Martin. You're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian, and I've ridden the Scary Larry ride a million times. With me, as always, is Daniel Ass Barnes, a film critic for the Sacramento News and Review, and a member of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. Hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Ass Barnes. As Corky said, on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine. And then we review and rate them on our unique system. We give your run-of-the-mill bad film, your watchable bad film, that's rated a dare. We give a double dare to those truly atrocious movies. And then we reserve the reverse dare rating for a despised movie that we actually think is pretty good. Today on the podcast, we'll be reviewing Paul Flaherty's 1994 film, Clifford, starring Martin Short as a troublemaking 10-year-old. But before we get started, Daniel Ass also writes a craft beer column for the Sacramento Bee. So he's going to tell us all about the beer... Did he bring it today? I did not bring it today because we are, in fact, recording this show live from Sac City Brews. Sac City Brews! Neighborhood Tap House right here in the Tahoe Park neighborhood. I have a very delicious looking beer. It's kind of like an egg yolk kind of colored yes. beer, right? It's a hazy IPA called Unfiltered Opinions. It looks like something Rocky would drink in the yeah, first Yeah, right, absolutely. It is from Almanac of San Francisco. They're mainly known for their sours, but uh, they've kind of expanded their repertoire in the last year or so to include, you know, more kind of traditional craft beer type beers like this Hazy IPA. It's about 6%. Pretty light, super delicious, like really refreshing, juicy, but not overly so kind of beer. Uh, a good Hazy IPA that's not too aggressive. I ordered the same and I'm enjoying it very, very much. Yeah, it's a hot day out here on the porch at Sac City Brew, so this is a good beer for the porch. But not only did I get a brew, I got a chicken and waffle brunch served to and me. That looks fantastic. So and if you hear Corky <laughs> just like tearing through waffles <laughs> over the first 10 minutes of the show, you know why. I might be like my girlfriend and take a picture of it before I eat it. <laughs> just post it with this podcast. Good idea. So this dare, this dare came from inside the house. It is from our producer, Johnny Flores. Johnny dared us to watch the 1994 film Clifford, starring Martin Short and Charles Grodin. Why? Why did you dare us to watch this film? I remember this movie. My little stepbrother at the time wanted to see it for some reason. And I remember, well, like, oh, Charles Grodin's in this. And I, <laughs> <laughs> because of uh, uh, Midnight Run, I, you know, it came out a couple years before this. So I was like, oh, if Charles Grodin's in it, and he's playing kind of a same, you know, snarky, somewhat angry guy, it's going to be good. And it was not. Ah. <laughs> All right. So this potentially wedge in the relationship driving dare came from Johnny, as he just told us. Dan's going to tell you a little bit about the film. Yeah, so like Johnny was saying, it stars Martin Short and Charles Grodin. Uh, the concept of the film is that Martin Short, who was about f in his early 40s when the film was made, plays a 10-year-old child. He essentially is Problem Child from Problem Child. Like He is a total devil child who makes life hell for the people who are taking care of him. 
uh, which in this case is Charles Grodin as his kind of smarmy uncle who is trying to prove to his uh, fiance, played by Mary Steenburgen, that he is good with kids. The film was actually shot in 1990, intended for release in summer of 1991. It came out April 1st, 1994. I think we can all agree, always a good That's sign. That's such a good sign, when right? When the movie shelved for They four said, years. let's take a few years to really get this right. Season it. Season that Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Age it just right, but get, let the marbling set in a little bit. <laughs> this was the third and final film directed by Paul Flaherty, who had previously given us such movies as 18 Again, exclamation point and who's harry crumb question mark but in his defense did great work on sctv yes he was uh on sctv also directed 22 episodes of the jiminy glick show so he has a long working relationship with martin short that did not pay off for this film <laughs> it was the delays related not just to the poor quality of the film and the disturbing premise but also to the orion bankruptcy it was finally dumped into about a thousand theaters uh, on April of 1994, opened in seventh place. Number Jeez. One, number one that week, Major League Two. The film grossed $7.4 million. It was out of theaters after three weeks. Only has a nine on Rotten Tomatoes. Although I will say the film's kind of singular weird comedy has its passionate defenders, and we'll probably get into that at some point. Um, but let me read you a, a little bit from Roger Ebert's review, if I may. He says, What went wrong? Clifford is not bad on the acting, directing, or even writing levels. Hard disagree. Debatable. Right off the bat. Strong, strong, sharp, pointy, stabbing disagree. But he goes on. It fails on a deeper level still, the level of the underlying conception. Something about the material itself is profoundly not funny, irredeemably not funny, so that it doesn't matter what the actors do because they are in a movie that should never have been made. Full agreement. Full yeah, he, agreement he, he on those. Hold it together for those last couple of sentences. <laughs> but this kind of made me think back to our Suburbicon review last week, mm. which is a film that I think you and I kind of largely agreed on the strengths and weaknesses of the movie. But there was something in the underlying conception of the film that I found abhorrent and could never get past, and you were, were not as bothered by it. Correct. And I think that with Martin Short starring as a literally psychotic 10-year-old. Absolutely. Clifford presents us with yet another all-or-nothing decision. Is it creepy, funny, or is it just creepy? I'm okay with unlikable characters. I'm okay with unlikable leads. Yeah. I'm okay with everything in a movie spiraling towards a negative ending. Yeah. But this movie didn't effectively pull that off at all. Yeah. The jokes aren't funny. The jokes don't work. No, they all just... They take a while to set up. Oh, boy, do they. And... Roger Ebert saying that the writing and acting is... Was not bad? Right. Because it was really bad. What movie did you watch? I know, right? Like, they would specifically call out writing, directing, and acting as the three major problems with this movie. And they and they vie for a strong lead. Oh, it's, it's neck and neck the whole <laughs> way, right? It's just like one... It's like the dot race. <laughs> it's just like one surges to the lead, then one comes, oh, he's coming around, and blue wins! So I'm okay with the premise. I'm okay with I'm an not unlikable even psycho... Too bo- I'm not even too bothered by the idea of an adult playing a child no like if you go back to silent comedies there's a lot of man child i mean all the way up to something like Step Brothers. yes it can be done and it can be done funny i think the issue here it just doesn't commit to it you know what i'm saying it almost feels like the joke it makes you 
oh my god, Martin Short has a ten year old. That is ridiculous. Yes. And that's the whole point. Like, give me something from Clifford's point of view to show me that he's actually a child, as opposed to Martin Short in a little bit of powdered makeup and a wig. Yeah. I was also thinking, like, would this, would anything that happens in this movie be funny if it was a, a child? Right. I tried to think of that, too. And no, it would also be extremely unfunny. Yes. So without any further ado, we're going to get into why we're breaking up with Johnny Flores. Yeah, right exactly. Uh, new producer, new style coming to the show. <laughs> I think it's going to be, I think Bruckheimer is coming on. Yeah. It, there's going to be a lot of, like, fast cuts. Fast cuts. It's going to be very edgy. We're doing an action uh, <laughs> scene next week. Yeah, absolutely. Be a heli- helicopter chase is in almost every show. We're blowing forward. up a building. Yeah. This building. <laughs> Don't tell me. We can't say that. On. <laughs> All right. So Clifford, 1994, Martin Short, starts with. The, let's Before we even start, sometimes yeah. you like to talk about... I took a picture of this. Okay. The Amazon Prime. It's free on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Amazon Prime doesn't want you to know that it's the movie with Martin Short and Charles Grodin. Sure. When you think of a movie for kids called Clifford, yes. a lot of parents, a lot of kids are going to think, oh, giant red dog, right? Big red dog. It's Martin Short in a red shirt yeah. with a leash... Bending over a big dog house. Or a big dog house. As though the big red dog was about to pop right out. Then it puts Charles Grodin and Mary Steenburgen behind it. So it's trying to recreate the Beethoven cover yeah, know, as right. well as Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> and it lists as the leads Ben Savage. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't want to wow. tell you that this is the Martin Short Charles Grodin yeah. movie. Although, as we get right into it, Ben Savage is is there right from the beginning of the movie. The film starts, there's a, a uh, this framing device is so god-awful. There is like a title card, and it says, From the beginning of time, children have dreamed of exciting and perilous adventures. And Produce, it, Producer Johnny already shaking his head no, shaking by his the head, way. Yes. Your movie, pal, you don't get to do that. It then goes to these title cards of like this little boy who is like riding a dinosaur through all of these adventures, like Western adventures and uh, like a Hollywood gangster movie type adventure. But yep. there are these like very childlike drawings of this kid. It then goes to the next title card, which says that this movie from Once Upon a Time is set in the future. Callback. Now 2050. So if you guys were thinking out there, wait a minute, this movie starring Barton Short. As a ten-year-old child, it starts in the year twenty fifty, right? <laughs> like that's you kind of expect. Like yeah, like that's par for the course, yeah. right? Yeah, the movie's set in twenty fifty. Martin Short is an old man, he's priest, an old priest who is like Benjamin Button style, f- playing with a butterfly, this yes. magical butterfly, and kind of gazing at it. And when I saw old priest, I was like, okay, give me, young, give me a young, give me a young priest, <laughs> good, because this movie's demonically possessed. <laughs> We're doing this. But yeah, starts with Once Upon a Time in the Future, just like Teddy Rex did. Yes, that's we're see- right. We're seeing through lines in these horrible movies. I could also say that, and I've, I know I keep harping on this week after week, so maybe I'll just say it once right here. The music in this movie is deranged. Yes. It is just, it is so intrusive. It is so over the top. It is like Looney Tunes cartoons, like, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. it is so annoying and blaring. So you're I'll just the, say you're that. the critic. It, and you notice that kind of stuff. I, I'll be honest. Most of the time you mention it, I don't haven't noticed it. I noticed it this yeah. time. So, yes. Uh, we're in 2050. Martin Short is an old priest at Wayward Boysville. <laughs> um, 
there is a troublemaker named Roger. This is played by Ben Savage. As he tries to escape, he falls on the priest. My first, my, that was, I, I laughed. That was probably the funniest part. And right? You feel like it was in reshoots or something. Because Martin Short, I mean, I like Martin Short. I'll be honest, this was not a good movie, but I like Martin Short. Him falling makes me laugh. I like Martin Short, too. Yeah. Something about, he's just not a movie star. Good point. Yeah, he's some or or he should be in in little bits. Of, like I'm thinking about his cameo in Inherent Vice was just fantastic. But then you're like, he was in that movie for five minutes, right? Or his cameo on Arrested Development was great, but right? But an hour and a half of it, pure is luck, a lot. Three criminals, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So the basketball hits him. He gets up. More things hit him. He gets up. Suitcase hits him, and then, then a. A, tr- a dummy, a dummy hits him. Yeah, then there's a really SCT. bad edit where the shading is a little <laughs> yeah. different. And then Ben Savage and Martin Short stand up. They both pop up. Ben Savage is a little a little troubled kid who he's he's like eight or nine years old or something like yeah. that, right? And he's a little troubled kid who was not allowed to be on the basketball team uh, because, well, his parents said he couldn't be on the basketball team. So he was angry and decided he was going to blow up the school. Right. Blow up the gymnasium. He threatened to blow up the gymnasium. <laughs> he's like eight years old. He did blow up the gymnasium. See, that's... I Did he? I mean, this is... We're getting into another snowman thing here, but... I believed it. I believe it, too. Everything I read was like he threatens to blow up the gymnasium, but like Martin Short says like... So you thought blowing up the gymnasium would be an appropriate response to not getting on the basketball team? It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> anyway, so he equates himself to the kid. He, he says, people like you and I, and, and the, uh, the kid is like, you're, you're nothing like me. You're nothing like me. You don't understand me. And he says, no, I understand what it's like to be an angry kid who adults are always trying to tell what they do. So now we flashback. So now the, pretty much the entire rest of the story is now a flashback. Yeah, a series of flashbacks. We jump back one more time right. to Martin Short, and then ju- n- nothing until the rest of the movie. Right. So so now we see Martin Short uh, ostensibly as a 10-year-old on an airplane. And when I say as a, ostensibly as a 10-year-old, yeah. he's got a wig and a little bit of makeup on. And he just has wide eyes and this kind of smirk. It's the performance oh. that is supposed to sell him as a 10-year-old. Yeah. And, and, and the angles and the camera tricks that they do or the he's sitting lower than everybody exactly. else kind of thing. Yeah, trying to make him look small. But he's not just a child. He's a bad child. He is a problem child. He's a little devil child. Um, And as they're riding to Hawaii with his parents, he wants to go to Dino World, which is in L.A. His father has to go to some conventions. His father's played by Richard Kind. Clifford, who is the Martin Short character, is always carrying around a dinosaur named Stefan. Stefan. It's like a a little plastic brontosaurus named Stefan. He talks to it, and he blames it for everything Everything, he does. Yeah, everything he does, it's because Stefan told him to, which is, you know, again... Serial killer type stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's 10, by the way. Like. So Clifford gets the bright idea to go up to the cockpit and tell the p- pilot to land in L.A. so he can go to Dinosaur World. Yeah, and the pilot says, the only way it'll land in L.A. is if there, we're, there's an emergency landing. And sure enough, right away, the plane starts nosediving and Clifford has somehow cut off all the engines so that the plane is going to crash because he knows where that button is <laughs> every 10 year old knows where the button to cut off all engines because that's a button all planes have to cut off all the engines absolutely so he's obsessed with going to this place called dinosaur world which is like an amusement park based on dinosaurs and you would think oh 1994 this is probably a play on jurassic park this movie was shot in 1990 <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? like they had no i, I thought that i was like oh they're trying to cash in on the dinosaur craze in the mid 90s maybe that's the only reason this movie ever even came out they were like, like oh dino- something dinosaurs <laughs> like anything dinosaurs in 1994 was a big big deal 
So we cut back to Martin Short explaining to Ben Savage, and you see Martin Short open up a mint and put it in his mouth. And if you know anything about Martin Short, he's choking on that. He's going to choke on that mint in ten seconds. seconds. (laughs) And the mint is like as big as his fist, of course. And that joke pays off splendidly, classic, because he has to have the kid pat his back Uh, to choke it. Pops it in. I'll have this later. So good. Yeah. So now, uh, at first, the kid takes it as like, "That's awesome. You you were cool. Yeah. I'll see you later." And he's, "No, wait. That's not the moral of the story. Let's right. go back and now let's meet Uncle Martin, played Who, by and, Charles Grodin." And he says, "Uncle Martin had two dreams: to be an architect in L.A. and to marry Mary Steenburgen's character, yeah, Sarah." Sarah. The first words out of Charles Grodin's mouth, he's standing in front of his big model of this thing he's designing in L.A., and he talks about his fiance Sarah. He's, <laughs> he's living his dreams. We were not confused by that. <laughs> Those were his two dreams. Well, I think he nailed them. He's, he's got it both. So, yeah, he goes to see Sarah, who is uh, this sort of like daycare teacher, who, a kindergarten it's teacher, confusing. I guess, who, li- who works in his building. Okay. We don't understand this, but she works in, in the building where he works as an architect. I should also say that Charles Grodin is an architect who is, A, working on a brand new transit system for L.A., right. and B, designs roller coaster rides <laughs> at Dinosaur World. This movie <laughs> he is the most diverse architect in America. It's like this movie was written by a 10-year-old. No, like, what do architects do? They uh, build stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they made this car, too. <laughs> so she, he takes her to the new house he just bought. Blind, blindfolds her, surprise her on this house that's yeah. built on a cliff. She freaks out because it signals that he's not ready to have kids. I mean, these yeah. people are in their 40s. It's like a one-bedroom. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. She freaks out and right. leaves. And then he starts screaming. It's funny. Somebody, and I, I tried to look for positive reviews of Clifford because this movie does have kind of a cult it does. following. It does. No one makes a very good case for it. Not at all. I would say no one makes a good case for it. And one of the funny things I read was that somebody praised Charles Grodin's, quote, slow burn in this movie. There is no slow burn. He is a raging forest fire from the second he is on screen. He is flapping his arms around and screaming at the top of his voice. There's no line of dialogue that he's not yelling no, at any character. Nonstop screaming. From the, the, uh, uh, this is well before Clifford even gets into the picture. So we just... We did a mini-sode where we talked about worst actor who turned in a really good performance, and I started wondering if Midnight Run was huh. that nomination for Charles Grodin for me, because I couldn't think of... Beethoven, I don't care about the Beethoven oh, movie. Sure, Ishtar, sure. I didn't like him in Ishtar. Uh, this movie, fuck no. Yeah. Uh, well, the Incredible Shrinking Woman. Uh, it's Heartbreak Kid. I haven't seen Heartbreak Kid. Yeah, I mean, Kid. there's stuff from the 70s. So. Okay, okay. Uh, let's say, yeah, up, up to Midnight Run, at least. So good directors, Martin Brest, Elaine May. Yeah, exactly. So, Mary Steenburgen and Sarah, she's very upset about this because she wants kids and she thinks the house symbolizes that Martin doesn't want kids. So, you get right? Dan my face highlight because I'm about to dig in my chicken and waffles <laughs> while he tells you about Mary Steenburgen. I'll be telling you about the next half hour of the movie. <laughs> I got notes. I got extensive notes here. I'm about I mean, to order more. You chime in with your something. Go for it. I'm sorry. He tries to convince her with his, that he has his nephew and that he's good with kids, giving his nephew Clifford as an example. Then we cut back to the airport. This is how clunky this movie yeah. is. Yeah. Cuts back to the airport where the parents have been kicked off the plane and Clifford gets the idea, why don't you leave me with Uncle Martin? <laughs> it's just like, whose fucking idea was it? It's right. so clunky. <laughs> and those films at the airport are at night. Yeah. Everything with in LA like is during in the, the day. middle of the day. There's no through line at all that connects. Oh, yeah. I mean, this movie just feels like reshoots, re-edits, just all over. You can practically see the scars on this thing. 
And the whole thing with Martin Short going, hey, why don't you leave me with Uncle Martin? And then him calling. That's how everything develops in this movie. Yeah. Through these really just unbelievable coincidences. Martin Short playing a 10-year-old is not the least believable thing in this movie. Seriously. So anyway, Martin is enthusiastic to show that he cares for, for children, so he runs down to the airport. The parents take off to Hawaii, and they're just deliriously happy that Martin has been fooled into thinking that this is going to be a good idea. He comes to the airport. Clifford is inside the sort of airport lounge in there, and he has made a little sign that says, I love you, Uncle Martin, because he's very manipulative. And he's sleeping angelically. And uh, he takes him home. But on the way, Clifford like steals a dog and everyone's he luggage steals somehow. Yeah. Oh, this is the first po- point I noticed. The extra work in this movie is amazing. Mm. There's a scene where all the extras are complaining about all their luggage being stolen. And the, they're just all, you can see, read their lips. They're like, rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. <laughs> Whippoorwill, whippoorwill, whippoorwill. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Clifford finds out that Martin designed Dinoworld, and he's very excited because he's going to get to see it, and he's going to get the the full treatment at Dinoworld. Right, right. Martin Short's permagrin (laughs) is like, I've seen people on two hits of E that smile less than this. Yeah, but then there's also a constant sort of winking to the audience, too, of him like making a devilish face, you know, like you would in a cartoon, like when Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck is about to do something. Like It's that constant, like, don't worry, this is still safe. While we're always pushing the envelope of this really depressing premise, (laughs) you know what I mean. Like, but it constantly is is pulling back from it, which is what is just so irritating about this movie. Like, again, if you're gonna be insane, like, just be insane. That's a great point. Yeah. Right. So anyway, they head to Sarah's house because he instantly wants to show her that he's he's good with the kids. Clifford reaches Stefan into the shower while while uh, Mary Steenbridge is in the shower and touches her, and she screams, and he screams at the dinosaur, "Shame on you! Shame on your eyes!" <laughs> that was kind of funny. But at this point, you're really like, oh, he's literally like this is a literal psychosis. Yes. Like this isn't just he's a misbehaving kid or like a little Ritalin or something like this. Literal psychosis, like literal like. Inanimate objects are speaking to me. Yes. Kind of serial killer sociopath. Telling me to do very inappropriate things. Yeah. No, it's very, it's, it's a little upsetting. Um, he falls in love with Sarah immediately. He falls in love with Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. Clifford does. Clifford does. They're both in love with Sarah. Right. He finds the ring that, that Uncle Martin is going to give to Sarah, and he says that he's in love with her, and he wants to give her the ring. He wants to marry Sarah. And so this is yet another kind of setup in their kind of conflict. They've set up that they're going to go to Dino World the next day, Dinosaur World the next day, but before they stop by Sarah's kindergarten class. Yeah. Now, this, okay, these, this movie's so bad. She's in floral prints talking to a bunch of kids in the class. They come and visit her in the class. They cut. They come into a hallway. She's now in a purple sweater top, <laughs> different pants, walking at, in a law office. They're walking out of an office. Yeah. And he, Charles Grodin's in a different suit, too. Yeah. But it's supposed to be the – it's like they walked out of one room into the other. They don't know what they're doing they in making this movie. N- no clue whatsoever. They just tried to put it together into something that made some kind of sense. But this is where we meet Dabney Coleman. Hell yeah. Who plays his boss. And there is like a whole lot of shtick about – he wears a rug, he wears, and he's wearing this really bad toupee, of course, Dabney Coleman is. Clifford, who is constantly trying to undermine Uncle Martin, walks right up and says, you said his, his hair was a rug. And this whole thing is hilarious because Charles Grodin is wearing the ugliest toupee you have ever seen. How is Charles, like, Charles Grodin is... It's is, doing this whole, like, side I think, like, can you believe how bad this guy's toupee <laughs> looks? And, like, Charles Grodin is, like, it, it is, like, Sam Malone in the early 90s bad. <laughs> it is, like, that shag carpet hair. That is, it's it like looks that, so horrifying. That Saturday Night Live sketch about the chia, the chia hair, where they're growing chia pet hair. 
Charles Grodin is also playing younger. Like he's supposed to be in his forties. I think he was almost sixty when this movie was. Oh made. my gosh, really? And he has what looks like a really bad facelift as well. Like his face is very puffy. And he's shiny. wearing the, he's wearing a lot of makeup. Oh boy, and that's not even the scene where he puts on lipstick. <laughs> But I love Dabney Coleman. I I, I love Dabney Coleman. He's always a bad guy, except yeah. for like in Cloak and Dagger or Short Time. But he's just – when somebody can nail that role for decades, yeah. I'm for it. He's good in his, his two scenes in this movie. That's true. Um, and he also he, – so he comes on to Sarah in this scene as well, and he gives uh, Martin – this basically impossible task related to redesigning the subway system, which means no dinosaur world. So this is where the movie's hijinks come from because Uncle Martin broke his promise to yeah. Clifford about not going. So he flips but out. If you break it down, why did the boss do this? Aside from just being jerky J- McJerkerson, yeah. why did he go, I'm going to give you this impossible task. You're our best guy. You're on it. We've nailed this whole thing, but let's blow it two days before just because I want to be a prick. Well, supposedly, I think it's to get Sarah... Away from him. But he could do that without... Exactly. Exactly, right? There's no need for this habit. It's just such an artifact. I mean, I'm quibbling about a movie where John Martin Short <laughs> is playing 30 years <laughs> younger. So anyway, Clifford absolutely flips out. Just goes completely insane. They go to a gas station. He wants chocolate. He's, he's losing his mind. <laughs> Which is this great scene where Charles Grodin is just screaming at the guy, Where's your chocolate? Where's your chocolate? I, I just chocolate. wrote capital letters. Grodin is yelling. <laughs> he is just yelling at every... Go for broke was another thing. That's, <laughs> that's a, a more accurate, but also like... Charles, hey, we're going to need you to turn it up. enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this isn't really registering, Charles. Can yeah. you scream louder and wave your arms way over your head at the same time? Clifford sees another family that is heading for Dinosaur World, follows one of their kids into the bathroom, and comes out wearing his dinosaur costume. Because that is good writing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he gets caught by Martin just before he gets into the van. He apparently bribed this kid with money that came from somewhere. Yeah, so I, I was trying to break down this kid, because when Groden finds him... He has him a in, stack of money that is about six inches thick. Groden finds him in the bathroom. He's counting just money. counting the money? Like, this kid isn't worried about his family leaving. Like, no, right? He had no reason to go... You're he's just, a bathroom gas station bathroom the in the middle of, of nowhere right what are you Counting gonna do money. just with a stack of money like but sh- does groden finding a child in the bathroom counting money come up as a bit because oh, I, yeah. I think it's gonna oh yeah well there's a very hilarious child molestation joke it's that follows the f- this. such forced dialogue well, i didn't see your son in six when he was in the john counting money oh what'd you do to him yes awful it's 33 minutes in. I'm, I was almost throwing in the towel at this point. This is it, It's brutal. Yeah. Right? It's really brutal because it's just like at a certain point you realize this is not getting any funnier. No. Right? Like this isn't going to get good at some point. You yeah. know, like the central conceit, it's not working for me. None of the humor is working. Like this isn't work. I'm in the hands of bad people who are doing bad things to me. If you didn't think you were going to get a scene of Martin Short lying on a bed crying to a dinosaur, <laughs> you do. <laughs> So he creates a an elaborate revenge plan. This is very Max Fisher and Rushmore. It's just like <laughs> Rushmore lifted everything from oh, this movie. Everything. The whole relationship between everything. Fisher and so he creates this fake bomb threat. As always, when you have a little Helion, there's a swanky party that has to be attended. Yep. It cannot be attended and you have to bring the kids. So they show up to this swanky party, which is Sarah's parents' anniversary party. Martin's wearing this little red blazer. Sarah's dad is pretty hoity-toity for being a senator who killed a prostitute in Godfather 2. <laughs> exactly, right? He got framed for it. Exactly. Where are you coming from, buddy? You're, you're on the take. Unbelievable. I mean, he haven't had to play the pay his own fees for the gaming commission. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like your kind. 
This is also where Martin Short is asked, or uh, uh, Clifford is asked what he wants to be when he grows up, and he says a dinosaur. Which again, like that's literal like child psychosis. Meanwhile, stuff, this, especially when you're ten years this old, this kid like, is orchestrating pranks on a level you know to ruin a man's career. W- yeah, which are just brilliant in their intricacy. Yeah, absolutely. So amongst those, he puts Tabasco in his Bloody Mary. So in the middle of his toast to the parents, he screams, which he's been doing the entire film. So why would anyone <laughs> notice that? But he screams in public and waves his arms around and runs around like crazy. The second bit I did laugh at, I give Groden credit for this when he couldn't speak because of the Tabasco. He just kind of gives a point and a thumbs up to the mom. For her. <laughs> that was a pretty funny bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he replaces his chapstick with lipstick. Those two bits are like 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah. It's such a labored process to get to this unfunniness. Really, really bad. When and he then, puts his lipstick on absentmindedly thinking it's chapstick, the table then laughs him away from the table. Like, that has never happened in life. <laughs> no, right? Somebody would just be like, hey, what's, what's you got something on yeah, your lips. You got a thing there. The entire table laughs him away. <laughs> Like it's the end of uh, Freaks, Gleamer Glomer, Gleamer Glomer. I don't know. Uh, So just as he's about to punish Clifford, he gets arrested. The cops come in and arrest him for making a bomb threat. Clifford goes home with Sarah. The Uh, cops, though, again, the extras are doing work in this mm. movie. One of those cops that's leading him away is just amazing. They don't have, like, cop uniforms. They have a jacket and a cop hat. That's all this movie can afford. (laughs) But he's doing that thing where he's reacting to every bit of dialogue, but he can't speak because he's an extra. He's not getting paid to talk. Simultaneously shaking his head, yes, I don't know. what's. Come on. He's doing all... Oh, it's so much work. It's amazing. If you watch this movie, just watch the extra work. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Okay. So the next morning, Uncle Martin is out of jail and goes to see Clifford. He makes up a story for Sarah, and uh, she is mollified. When Groden shows up at Sarah's house the next morning, where Martin Short is eating a lot of breakfast, a yeah, lot of inappropriate things for very breakfast. sugar. He's gorging on sugar. He's talking to his dinosaur. He shows up and blames it on a friend of his, an old college Who did buddy. a prank, yeah. Yeah. Why doesn't he just tell her? Right. Just tell her. Why does- <laughs> like, that's, that would be an obvious thing right there. Instead, what he wants is he wants a 10-year-old child to write a confession to the police. <laughs> like, that cannot be admissible. That can't be admissible. You like, forced a 10-year-old under duress to write a confession. Every criminal would be doing that. <laughs> hey. Hey, Junior. Sign your name to this, would you? I've got stacks of those at home, okay? If that worked. <laughs> Seriously. You want a 10-year-old confession? It. I can get you a 10-year-old tried confession. Tried it and tried it. Uh, but you know what? Every scene has the same dynamic. Did you notice that? What's that? It's basically like Martin Short gets a devilish look in his eyes, does something devilish, then gets scolded, and every scene kind of plays out in almost exactly the same sort of a way. It, There's no real variance to it at all. And it, it ends with just a lot of like two people shouting at each other. Yes. So the next morning, Clifford has faked that he has run away. He put a note on a carton of milk and put his picture on the carton of milk says that he's going to go to San Francisco where Sarah is with Dabney Coleman, the boss, who is kind of under some flimsy pretense that she should have seen through a million miles away, is like, come to San Francisco with me, kindergarten teacher who works in the building I own? She's none too bright. No, not really. Um, This is the kid who wanted to grow up to be a dinosaur. He faked his picture on a milk carton. Have you seen this boy? (laughs) 
So Uncle Martin runs to the train. He's chasing him onto the train. He sees a little figure in red. Is just like, don't look now again. Uh, he sees this little figure in red that he's chasing all over the train station. He gets on the train, and we see that it was all a fake out, and uh, little Clifford is on the station. Uh, Uncle Martin, Martin's heading to SF, and Cl- uh, Clifford does this little kind of dance Dancing down the train, the, station. the train station singing San Francisco. Uncle Martin's in San Francisco. He realizes he's been duped, and he figures he's going to go by Sarah's hotel. In a taxi, he's going to go by. This is so, so reshoots. Yeah. Because it's raining outside. You can't see that he's in just like a car in a studio or, you know what I'm saying, on a movie lot. And he's getting shaken. And then he decides, ah, oh, no, I'm not going to go by there. Let me out here. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole bit. <laughs> but who does he happen to just see the second he gets out of the taxi cab? He looks through a window and he sees Dabney Coleman and Mary Steenburgen having dinner. He just sees them through like a restaurant window from a cab window. It's like there's no way he could have possibly it seen is, that. But yeah, he sees them in the restaurant, this fancy restaurant. It is pissing rain, right? Everybody's wet. Everybody's got umbrellas. He's getting soaked. The next scene you see him, he's perfectly dry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Dabney Coleman, who again is the boss, uh, yeah. he owns this company which is designing a transit system, and she is like. A child care worker who lives <laughs> in his building, but he's taken her to San Francisco to a fancy restaurant, and he is putting ju- like expensive jewelry on yeah. her, giving her expensive jewelry. She thinks almost nothing of this. Tells her this is from all of us. Not this is from <laughs> all of us. Seriously, thanks a lot. Because every time, every week, I'm getting hit up to buy jewelry for some kindergarten teacher in my oh, office. Oh my god! Right? We're always yeah. collecting money for that. Yeah, you guys, did you pitch in your three hundred fifty dollars? They do a sign-up sheet. My kid will jog three laps. You pitch in for this necklace for our daycare <laughs> worker. He sees that. He uh, Groden sees that. He assumes the worst. Actually, makes his presence known to Mary Steenburgen. She sees him. <laughs> And then calls staring at her like Bradley Cooper and Aloha. <laughs> Bradley Cooper and Aloha staring through the window of the Hula Studio. And Raquel and Snowman <laughs> staring at Harry Hole. So calls him out, and she, oh, the I can spot a phony joke. Oh my god. Oh man, she, that was awful. She tells that was him, awful because it, it's it's not even like on on its premise, it's not funny. Well, the way they carry it out is even unfunnier. Right? Oh right. So the whole premise is like she tells him, "I can spot a phony. You're a phony. I can spot a phony." Just right then, they're in San Francisco. Remember, uh-huh. two men dressed as women come mm-hmm. up and ask for directions to the bus stop. Yeah. Right. Right. The whole joke is that, and then the guy who asks for directions goes. <laughs> And then runs off. What are we doing? Oh, that's just awful. Like, I mean, in this movie where it's just about like Martin Short dressing as a ten-year-old, they're just like, let's really throw some transphobia in there. Yeah, right. right? We hate transformation. He calls down to his home because that's what he's going to do, and some surfer dude answers, and they're having a raging party at the house. Right. And thank, thankfully, the exposition partyer tells him. He hired us, or he told us we could throw a party here if we drink, take him to Dinosaur World tomorrow. Yeah. And just when you thought, because we're about two-thirds, we're heading towards the end of this movie at this point, just when you thought, has there ever been a Martin Short movie where he didn't do the Martin Short dance? He hasn't done the Martin Short dance, and then sure enough, there he is doing the Martin Short dance. You know the dance. You know the dance. It's the head on the head. It's the hips swiveling. Back of the, the hand bend. to the forehead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Other hand up. Yep. Knees cocked. You know what it is. Yeah. So every movie, so there it is right there. And he just does it, and it's done. So thankfully we have transphobia. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Anybody walking by who just hears me say thankfully we have transphobia. So this is where you have transphobia. You have violence against children. Now we get an assault scene. Oh, yeah. Dabney so, Coleman. 
right. So they're riding now in the back of a limo, mm-hmm. and Dabney Coleman jumps jumps on her, yes. like attacks her yes. twice, like sexually assaults her twice, and yeah. she pushes him off him, and he is just giggling the whole time because she's full of spirit, right? And this is supposed to be funny. Yes, it's played for laughs it's awful. the whole way. So awful. She rips off the uh, jewelry that he gave her in this labored thing where she's taking off the necklace and it sticks on her face, and, and then she rips off his wig. Martin gets home and sees that Clifford has tried to cover up what has happened with the big raging party by fake tying himself up, hog tying himself up in his own bedroom. And when Uncle Martin walks in, he yells the immortal line, (laughs) a person tried to touch my special no-no place. At which point, Uncle Martin screams, slams the door shut, and starts nailing it shut. So let me ask you this, and again, like the inner logic of this movie is just bonkers. If Clifford's entire plan in getting Uncle Martin out of the way and throwing a raging party was the next morning to have those people take him to Dinosaur World, right? why does he fake hogtie himself up, not have them take him to Dinosaur World, <laughs> and leave himself in the bedroom while everyone else leaves and doesn't clean up? Any any step you start asking yourself, well, like, why did they why do that? They do? Yeah, you got to stop. Oh. And you got to ask yourself, this movie. Tell yourself, this movie sat on the shelf for four years because <laughs> right? they could not figure those problems like, out. Did some scenes go missing in those four years? Like what happened there? But yeah, that just is complete nonsense. But anyway, Sarah gets a hold of Clifford somehow. She runs in, saves him from the bedroom. She believes that Uncle Martin is just. Insane, and that Clifford is a, an innocent little abused boy. Um, meanwhile, Uncle Martin is hurtling towards a nervous breakdown. So he searches all over for the file for his architectural transit. Yeah, his presentation, presentation that he's about to give. He can't find the file. He finds it taped underneath Clifford's dresser, and he's just like, "This looks fine to this me. This has to be it. I'm just going to take it and just Goes run to into the, most the presentation. Important presentation of his life. A big <laughs> model of downtown L.A." Puts the file in. And, oh, okay, so I did laugh the next time you see Daphne Coleman after he's she- got a big just, ponytail. He's got a big ponytail. Yeah. I did laugh at that. Yeah. Uh, because they didn't call it until they call it out. Yeah. And then it's not funny anymore. No, no. So he uh, he's giving his presentation, and right when it, the big point in his presentation, it explodes. It explodes. Because in 1994, uh-huh. 1990, 10-year-old can manipulate a computer disc to make a model explode. You can't separate... tell the difference between like reality and fantasy who wants to be a dinosaur when he grows up. At a separate location. And He's now a through, demolitions expert. Through like, his Mac computer. <laughs> he created a bomb on a disc. But do you remember that, though, in the that 80s? That will only detonate at a certain when it's put in there. Yeah. In the 80s and 90s when computers could do anything. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that was so such a cheat for screenwriters oh, and absolutely. movies. Computers could do things these days, right? But you show the guy typing, yeah. and then the building blows up. <laughs> Charles Grodin finally snaps. He loses it. He says, I underestimated the evil one. He goes and he kidnaps Clifford and puts him in a straitjacket. But where are they going? Dino World. Dinosaur World, which is apparently a map painting <laughs> in the LA <laughs> San Fernando Valley. It's beautiful. It is the worst. This is now where the movie it just looks ugly. They 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 had no money, I guess, for no. this part. The whole movie looks ugly. Yes, like the color you of the movie is just it's ghastly. You see shadows of filming equipment in certain scenes. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it's very cheap amateur hour stuff. But this whole last bit about Dinosaur World, it, yeah, it hurt. 
So he, it's at night. He takes them in when the park is closed as the architect of the Scary the Larry Dinosaur Ride. This is a movie that exists in a world where the architect of a ride at Dinosaur World Has knows everything. Total privileges. <laughs> he knows the security guard. knew the security guard. The security guard's, yeah, come on in. Come on it's in. Park's a- closed. And he's like, yeah, throw some light on that Scary, scary the Larry Dinosaur You're ride. bringing a child in a straight jacket into the park. <laughs> come on. Well, he takes off the straitjacket to uh, fool the guard. But you know the straitjacket was laying on the floor. Oh, the guard had to see. The guard's complicit. I guess people are just bringing children into the park late at night constantly to the point where he's like, this is very normal, Ugh. which is upsetting. So we're at the dinosaur. They finally get to the scary Larry dinosaur. And again, it exists in a world where an architect knows how to work rides. Well, he designed the ride, Corky. <laughs> and these rides are built with... Control stations. To make them go faster and faster. And to a point where the f- highest setting, because they built this in where the highest setting breaks the ride. <laughs> they built that in. Yeah, like he puts it on the ride. And of course, he's stoked to be on the ride, sure. right? Uh, he's just like, yes, scary the Larry Dinosaur. I'm way into that. So he goes on the ride one time and comes through and he's like, I love it. But he's like, let's make him go faster and faster and faster, which are, finally <laughs> has him go into hyperdrive. And this ride, we're calling it a ride, but it, it's a series of shots of close-ups of Martin Short's face, uh-huh. then really sped up tracks. There's a little model work. Some really bad early mid-90s CGI, Yeah, where he, Martin Short is just reacting to things that aren't there. Then we have the big dinosaur, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's the ride. That's basically the ride. Charles Grodin starts speeding it up, speeding it up. Yeah. To that last setting. Where Finally goes, he's like, I'm going to put it into hyperdrive. <laughs> I'm like, you designed this ride, man. Like... What was the point of hyperdrive? It breaks the entire ride. Why like, did who was you ever going to use that ride? It's like, you know, at some point I may want to take children in here at night and torture them. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, I'm just going to put it in. They hired the guy who put hyperdrive on the scary, Larry the Scary ride to build the transit, build the transit system. <laughs> Can you imagine? We're going to put this. If he ever gets upset at a child on the, <laughs> on the train, what's going to happen to that train? LA falls apart. I better put this in hyperdrive. So anyway, the like I said, it goes in hyperdrive. The ride starts malfunctioning. The uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, Scary the Larry dinosaur, actually eating things is actually eating things and like kind of bursts out of his skin a little Com- bit. So you just see the robot. Computers can do everything. Yeah, they're amazing, aren't they? Clifford is knocked out of his car. He is dangling over the Scary the Larry dinosaur whose teeth are chomping. But at the last second, he gets well. He sees him dangling and seriously considers letting him fall. Okay. For a moment. But you've skipped about three scenes where we see Charles Grodin's stunt double in <laughs> full frontal face wig and 20 years younger than Charles Grodin. And the movie did no attempt to hide it. Like the, mo- the scene where he's running through where yeah, sparks right. are shooting. <laughs> That it's like the movie, it's like the scene from I'm gonna get you sucker where the stuntman Keenan Ivory Wayne's getting knocked out and then it cuts to a short white guy doing backflips <laughs> and it cuts back to Keenan Ivory. It's that level. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so Martin considers letting Clifford fall. Finally, decides he will save him. Then gives him a lecture and yep. says no one will ever love him and leaves. Yes. And now we go back to our narrator, old age makeup Martin Short, and he talks about how he sort of had confused emotions. He was devastated by those words somehow. He wrote 287 letters of apology. Wrote 287 apology letters that were unanswered till finally Sarah got a hold of him and they next met Uncle Martin at their wedding where where he he was the ring bearer. 
because he is Gollum. And he gets he gets <laughs> he a, did carry the ring <laughs> seriously, and he gets a kiss on the cheek from Uncle Martin. That's when you realize, oh wait, like this movie is so insane. Like it is really coming around to like this is a lesson about being good to people <laughs> <laughs> because like we go back and uh, Be- uh, Roger Ben Savage, the little trouble kid, is like this has convinced me to be good. I'm going to go write 287 letters of apology because I want people to like me. Yep. He runs into the house, and then our little stinger at the end of the movie, the old priest, old Clifford, pulls out Stefan and says, mission accomplished, old friend. Because f- why? Yeah. Because why? Who cares? Like, Bananas. What is this movie even trying to say or do? And I, I mean, maybe it's not trying to say or do anything, but it sure isn't funny. No. Well, it's not saying or doing It's things. not funny. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't... And the defense of this movie, the only defense of this movie is that it's weird. Or that I liked it as a kid. Or that I saw it as a kid, yes. which is a defense for whatever you want yeah. to do, right? I, I think am. we're talking about two different... You're talking about like critical defense. I'm talking about people who make YouTube videos of them <laughs> in a dirty bedroom. Absolutely. Eating their bacon toast <laughs> scrambler. I watch this movie with a bacon toast scrambler all the time. <laughs> Look, look up Clifford Bacon Toast Scrambler. You will find a YouTube video of a man in a dirty bedroom talking about oh, it. Oh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, I think when the, pe- the the people who have some kind of reputation who defend this movie, I think just defend it on the, the basis of it being weird or, or Charles Grodin and Martin Short kind of doing their thing or something. This movie can only be defended on a conceptual level. Sure. Because, like Theoretically. I said, once you get into it, it's not really that weird. It's just depressing and sad and unfunny. And the, the humor is all very basic slapstick and hijinks type stuff. Not funny. Not funny at all. And the, uh, sorry, Roger Ebert, the acting, writing, and directing are incredibly poor. I don't, I mean, I, I wish Roger Ebert were still alive today. Like, who are you trying to mollify? But only there, just to ask him, what like, are you talking about? God, seriously. Seriously, what were you watching? Like, the writing? The writing. The writing. The writing was good? <laughs> what the hell? The movie where Clifford sees a, a family walk out and go, okay, you ready to go to Dinosaur World? The moment he's told you can't go to Dinosaur World. That's the level of writing in this movie. Someone tried to touch me in my special no-no place. And no-no place comes back. Writing. Ugh. Oh, man. Okay. Anyway, so let's wrap this up and give our ratings. Once again, a Dare is your run-of-the-mill bad film. A truly atrocious bad film is a double dare. Secretly good movie is a reverse dare. I am going full-on double dare on this one. As much as I, I do want to reward a movie that has a unlikable characters and a weird premise and all of these, other, it's dark and disturbing and all those other things, this movie was awful. It looks bad. It sounds bad. It is bad. Quirky. The uh, double dare all the way. A double dare in the Teddy Rex vein of the worst movies we've watched. Peek behind the curtain. I watched the last half of Teddy Rex on double speed because I couldn't take it. I've told myself I won't do that anymore, so I didn't. I suffered for my art. But don't you do the same. There's nothing in this movie that's redeemable. Nothing works. Just know that it it earned its reputation as a horrible, horrible movie. Absolutely. Don't believe anybody who's giving you that revisionist They're history. They're full of shit. Yeah. Sorry. They're full of crap. Crapola. Yeah. All right. That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we'll be back next week to review another one of your movie dares that is not coming from Johnny Flores. In the meantime, check out our Thursday mini episode for a preview of the next Dare Daniel review, as well as talk about your movie dares and other bad movies in general. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. 
Be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. And say negative shit about Johnny Flores. Yeah, really lay into Johnny Flores. Serious talk, seriously. You can read more of my movie reviews in the Sacramento News and Review and at newsreview.com. You can read my craft beer column in the Sacramento Bee and at sacbee.com. Corky. Yes. Where can people find you dressed like a 10-year-old? <laughs> you can find me dressed like a 10-year-old Sunday mornings at Sac City Brews Neighborhood Tap House, <laughs> enjoying my chicken and waffles. Is that why everyone's on the other side of the patio? That's They're all everyone... kind of gathered over there in a very <laughs> upsetting sort of way. It's the bestest breakfast, Daniel. <laughs> so for Dear Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Waffles Flores. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing you with those waffles. <laughs> And I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm saying I'm about to grub on some chicken and waffles. Yeah. Thank you, Sac City Brews, neighborhood tap house. Sac City Brews and Tahoe Park. Go visit them. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs>